Hey everyone, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. On today's show, I'm speaking with award-winning journalist, Catherine Price, who presents a practical hands-on plan to, get this, break up and then make up with your phone. We're going to talk all about her latest book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. So in Catherine Price's book, How to Break Up with Your Phone, you're going to discover how phones and apps are actually designed to be addictive. And you're going to learn how the time we spend on them damages our abilities to focus, think deeply, and form new memories. You will then make customized changes to your settings, apps, environment, and your mindset that will ultimately enable you to take back control of your life. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Catherine Price. I love this book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. Uh, what inspired you to write this? I was inspired to write it by a number of things. I mean, a growing realization I was spending more time on my phone than made me feel good. Mm -hmm. And then there was a particular moment right after I had a baby where I was uh, sitting in a dark room one night, you know, bleary-eyed yes. <laughs> with her in my lap. And I had this out-of-body experience, maybe from sleep deprivation, where I saw what was happening from the outside. And I had this little baby staring up at me um, with her eyes, which, you know, have been genetically uh, programmed to just be able to focus as far as their mother's face. Right. And then I, I was staring at my phone. And I just thought to myself, oh, wow, I, I don't feel good about that. I do not want her first impression of her mother and of human interaction to be me looking at this device. And that was a very catalyzing moment for me that sparked a broader discussion um, that eventually led to this book. Absolutely. I want to point out some of the uh, information you have in the book, some facts. Americans check their phones about 47 times per day. For people between 18 and 24, the average is 82. Unbelievable. Yes, and actually the most recent statistics I found are higher than that. And um, in terms of the time we're spending on our phones, it's about four hours a day, which is about a quarter of our waking lives or a sixth of our time alive. And so when I saw those numbers, I just was floored. I thought, how is that possible? You know, it's all in these little five-minute increments, but right. it really adds up. You know, I'm so guilty of this because I'll go to the gym and I'll bring a book and I have good intentions and 30 minutes go by and I've been on my phone the whole time, like checking things well, and looking at things and, you know. It's, well, it's funny. I think there's a time for mindless distraction. And, and actually, what you just described sounds like my ideal gym visit, where mm -hmm. it's like, oh, 30 minutes just went by, and I'm on the elliptical machine. Exactly. So, you know, I don't, I think the important thing is not to be too judgmental um, about your own, you know, don't, don't automatically think any phone time is bad, because there's a lot of reasons we love our phones. They're really useful tools. Uh, you know, the trick is just to figure out what that balance is. And I, I like to emphasize people to people that breaking up with your phone doesn't mean getting rid of your phone or feeling bad when you're on your phone. It means uh, taking a step back so that you can create a relationship that feels good to you. Right. I actually have a rule in my house. We don't allow phones in our kids' bedrooms at night. So at a certain time, the phones are off, they're on the counter, that's it till the next morning. Huh. You know, what do you do about your phones? I'm guilty. <laughs> it's it actually, I have to admit it, um, it is by my bed. I mean, it's off, but, you know, the first thing I do, I turn it on to kind of wake up in the morning. Do you use it as your alarm clock? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to turn this interview of me into an yeah. interview of you, but that's interesting because there's so many people. I mean, I used to do this, too, before I had a baby that then became my alarm clock. <laughs> yep, I know. You know, we use our phones as our alarm clocks, mm -hmm. and then we wonder why we're on our phones first thing in the morning, like before we even say hello to whoever's in the bed next to us. Exactly. But it makes total sense if you realize you've got to touch the phone to touch the alarm clock to turn off the alarm clock so why would we be surprised when suddenly right. we're on our phones first thing in the morning you know and all all the parents I talk to it's just so funny to me like myself included it's like we care so much about what 
what the kids are doing, but then you're like, oh, but no, but I'm just going to, okay, I if know. I can, I'm totally in control. I'm totally in control, not. Um, I have to say, it's my backup <laughs> alarm. I have a regular alarm, but I need a backup because I, I feel like I'm going to oversleep. So that's why I started that bad habit, so. Yeah, you know, I was talking to someone else who said that, and, and my suggestion there was that um, that actually makes it even a better idea to charge your phone somewhere that's not in your bedroom, like maybe in the hallway in a basket or something, and then just turn it on so the ringer is loud for the alarm function. Oh. And that means not only that you'll hear it, but you're going to have to get out of bed. To turn, it's it's to the same thing people say the when room. they put your alarm clock across the room. So yes. look at that, two problems solved. That is so funny. That's true, though. Then you go running across the room. So I love that. And then you end up on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize it's four in the morning. Um, okay, so then I want to talk about some of these uh, great titles to your chapters. Putting the Dope in Dopamine. That is so funny. I am glad you like my puns. Um, yeah, so so dopamine is a brain chemical that our brains release whenever we encounter something that our brains decide is important to pay attention to and remember. So that can be something that's like an important piece of news or like, you know, if, uh, back in the day, if you stumbled across a bush with lots of berries on it and you want to remember where it was, um, it teaches us to associate doing something in particular with getting some sort of reward, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, anytime you go on your phone, you're going to find something new and interesting that's going to trigger this dopamine, the dopamine to be released. And when that happens, it is teaching you to associate, as I just said, checking your phone with getting a reward. And this becomes a cycle where you just want to check your phone more and more and more and more. Right. And that's, that's uh, so we become the dopes. It's so, it is so addictive and it nice, you know, I see what, what happens with teenagers. I feel like uh, with teenagers or any kid, it's, uh, it's a cause of stress have, being on a phone so much because there's the social media, as you say, why social media sucks. Um, it, there is too much. I feel like kids need a break. I think all of us do. I mean, I think that's a really important point to bring up is that if you really start paying attention to how your body feels when you're on your phone and when you're away from your phone, you'll start to feel the effect of stress hormones such as cortisol that are that are released, first of all, when you are in this kind of dopamine-fueled state of excitement that actually does have, have cause the release of stress hormones, interestingly. And then if you get hooked on your phone and you start to crave your phone, then you're going to start to release these hormones in anticipation of wanting to check it and you, you feel anxious. Right. And that's really interesting to start paying attention to um, it's also really empowering because it gives you kind of a way to check in with yourself um, and to recognize that that's not a good feeling. And I think recognizing that is extremely important because then it switches your perspective from, oh, I'm going to try to spend less time on my phone because I'm a bad person and phones are bad, to, wait a second, the phone is making me feel bad. It's taking me away from my life and it's making making me feel anxious and I actually feel better if I can spend time away from the phone. And right. I think that that's really very, a very helpful shift. It's, it's funny, too. Like, if I misplace my phone and I'm about to leave, the amount of stress running around the house trying to find it. And I think back to when I went to Syracuse and I used to drive five and a half hours from Connecticut to Syracuse, no phone. And, you know, it was like, wasn't even an issue. And now I can't drive 15 minutes without a phone. That's mm-hmm. nuts. You know, exactly. It's nuts. I mean, you think of like, you look at a, a plane when all of us, as soon as the plane lands, you just see all the phones come out. But I mean, you, you don't normally hear some sort of anguished scream about someone having missed something like the, the <laughs> devastating in the five hours or whatever, an hour and a half, the commuter flight that you just took. Exactly. So let's talk about your book. What are some key things you would like the readers to take away? 
Well, first I want to um, point out the website, which is phonebreakup.com, mm-hmm. because I've created a bunch of resources on there that people can use to help them in their phone breakups and then their phone makeups, as Perfect. I put it, um, including a 30-day series of emails. It's called a, a phone breakup challenge you can do with friends and family members to um, to try out this plan and keep on track. I think that one of the most important things I'd like people to take away is that this isn't, as we were just talking about, just about reducing your time on your phone. It's about getting back in touch with what's important to you in your life and using your phone as a catalyst to do so. Again, that turns it to kind of a positive thing that you're trying to do. And one of the most important things you can do to start that process is to just create triggers for yourself that make you have to slow down for a second. I call them speed bumps and catch yourself when you're about to check your phone so that if you do decide to proceed, it's because you actually want to rather than getting caught in what I call a zombie check where you look up 20 minutes later, you have no idea how you got there. Right. And you can do that. I mean, you can put a rubber band around your phone or a hair tie so that when you reach for your phone, you encounter this odd new feeling and you kind of like, what the heck is that? And mm-hmm. then you, oh, you're like, oh, that's supposed to, do I want to do this? I created lock screen images that people can use that say things like, um, do you really want to pick me up right now? And those, again, are at, at, at phonebreakup.com. Yeah. You can download them for free. Yeah. Little things that basically just help you check in with yourself. And then you also need to get back in touch with things you actually enjoy doing because if you spend less time on your phone, you'll end up with more free time. So that those are two of the more, I think, unusual steps to the plan in addition to more uh, typical things like changing the way your apps are arranged or changing where you charge it or turning off notifications, which are okay. also important to do. I I'm a I like to observe people's behavior, especially on their phones. I see people crossing the street all the time with their face down in their phone. Traffic's coming back and forth. You know, they're, they're completely in another world. Or the mom crossing the street on her phone, not holding their kid's hand. I mean, there's so many examples where we're so not focused on what we should be focused on. Yeah, it's really interesting to start noticing it. And and that's the one downside, I would say, of what breaking up with your phone is that you can't unsee it. Like, I kind of compare it to seeing, like, a family member naked that you didn't unsee <laughs> naked and you, like, can't unsee that image. Because yes. you do. You start to notice. You'll look around at the cars next to you on the highway, and you will notice how many people are, are texting while they're driving, posting right. to Facebook while they're driving, you know. I mean, uh, I live in uh, Philadelphia, and I've just started. I'm totally creepy. If you're near me, I apologize. But I look over <laughs> people's shoulders to see what they're doing because on the elevator, for example, the next time you're in an elevator, like notice how many people get their phones out despite the fact that you're on like the third floor. Yes. What can you actually achieve or what enjoyment can you derive from this 15 seconds? And you'll see people just cycle through the same apps. It's like they they check their text, they check their email, they check the news, they check the weather, they Mm -hmm. check the Facebook and they go back to the weather and you're like, I always want to be like, you just checked that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I see what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. It's it is uh, it is interesting to watch. I I remember visiting with a family member I hadn't seen in a while, and the entire time his face was in his phone, and I'm like thinking, really? You know, I haven't seen you in forever, and you don't realize what you look like. It's so addictive. I think that that's really. Yeah, I think that's the thing that, I mean, that's why that moment for me was so powerful of actually seeing myself from the outside. I mean, another thing that you can kind of get in the habit of doing is if you catch yourself on your phone, imagine what you look like from the outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just in terms of whoever it is that you're subbing, which is a new word that's phone snubbing, um, ignoring someone for your phone, but just your posture. I mean, there are, I've been going to physical therapy for for just tight shoulders, and Mm -hmm. I was asking the therapist about the various things that we're doing. I mean, essentially, when we hunch over our phone, we're holding our 
head, which is the weight of a bowling ball, at right. this very unnatural angle that is really, I mean, physical therapists are legitimately concerned that we're causing long-term physical damage yes. to our bodies. I've seen articles about this because our head is like almost like on a 45-degree angle pulling forward in our shoulders, mm-hmm. and it is causing problems, especially teenagers. I've seen some articles on this. Yeah. Yes, which is scary when you think that that's just, um, you know, the time when your body's supposed to be at its peak and, and to have us already start to be training ourselves to be these stooped, hunched creatures. You can only imagine what we'll look like when we're, you know, 80. Not good. So I one of the things that uh, struck me as interesting is um, you have some advice. What about emails? Because I, I get buried in, you know, gobs of emails. I mean, how do you control that? That email is its own beast. It's definitely my personal weakness, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of email on your phone, for, first of all, turn off notifications. I mean, I think you should turn off pretty much all your notifications, but email is particularly important, including the red bubble that tells you how many messages you have waiting for you. Oh, yeah. um, if you're worried about missing an email from someone that who really is important, your spouse, your boss, your kid, whatever, you can set a list of VIP contacts and just have notifications when those people contact you, which lets you kind of relax about all That's the smart. other stuff. Yeah. Um, I also recommend get email off the front page, front screen of your phone. The front screen of your phone should just be tools, not temptations. And yes, email is a tool in some ways, but for people like us, it's definitely a, a, a hole to fall into. So you don't want to have that be one of the options that that is sitting there waiting for you anytime you happen to turn on your phone. Yes. Um, and then you can also use extensions on your computer. There's one I really, really love called Inbox When Ready that uh, hides your inbox from you. So you can oh. compose email, you can search for email, but you won't see all the emails waiting for your attention and you won't see how many new emails you have either. Mm-hmm. That seems like such a small change, but the feeling of calm that it gives me, I mean, there's no, I'm not even exaggerating, there's no way I could have uh, written this book um, in the time that I had to write it if I did not have that extension for my email. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I want to point out is if we stop and we think about all the moments to interact day to day, like I'm at Trader Joe's and I'm checking out and I notice the person in front of me on their phone and, and the guy is trying to say, hello, how are you? How's your day? But you're on the phone, like shut it off and take a moment to connect. Yeah. And it's not even a matter of just not being rude to the person that you're again, fubbing, right? Yes. But it actually, when you're constantly doing that, you're actually, um, I don't know, stealing pleasure from yourself. There's actually research showing that they're called fleeting relationships. They're just the little passing interactions you have with strangers that don't amount to very much. You might not even think about them after they happen, but things like little chats with a supermarket cashier or Mm -hmm. a barista at the coffee shop who remembers your order or, you know, actually looks at you when they say, how are you doing? Or a conversation with a stranger on the plane. Those fleeting relationships actually are very uh, strong contributors to your feelings of happiness and connection and well-being. And so when you're constantly on your phone, you're actually missing out on this other source of kind of um, un- underappreciated pleasure. And, I- and I've definitely found that myself. I try now not to be on my phone if I'm taking Uber, for example. Mm-hmm. And I have all these random conversations with strangers. Oh, I love it. Uh, that, you know, we never, we're not going to keep in touch you use no. the Uber app afterwards. Yes. But it's like a little smile, like a couple laughs, and it's, re- it's really very nice. Right. So when's the National Day of Unplugging? The National Day of Unplugging is March 9th to 10th this year, and okay. that is an effort that's been going on for a number of years um, put on by this organization called Reboot, and mm-hmm. it is an invitation for people around the country and the world to spend 24 hours unplugged from their devices, and it just 
ne- it seems like it could never be more timely than it is right now. And so I've been uh, partnering with them to try to help them promote their work, um, and they're helping me as well in hopes that this year could be the biggest ever. But it's it's really just like a you know power in numbers opportunity for a large number of people to, to simultaneously take a break from technology and just give themselves a little space. And uh, it's, it's a Sabbath, is basically. I think it's great. Where can people find out more about you? I know you have a website, phonebreakup.com, but are you on other, you know, social media sites and things like that? Well, I hate social media, but I okay. am doing a Phone Awareness Month uh, okay. campaign, and I am more present on there than normal, and that's basically just Twitter. It's at Catherine underscore Price. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you can find out everything you need to know and also contact me directly using phonebreakup.com, and that also has a link back to my main journalistic site, which is Catherine-Price.com. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> phonebreakup.com is probably the easiest one to keep in mind, and there's all sorts of uh, useful resources on there. I, I find it interesting that you hate social media because – it is so mind blowing to me. The, you you see these people with a gazillion, you know, followers, and I feel like people base their uh, self esteem on how many followers and how many likes, and it's crazy. Oh, totally, it's true. I mean, I've heard uh, Adam Alter, who wrote this book called Irresistible, about the the rise of uh, technologies in the business of keeping us hooked, about how the like button was this revolutionary moment in Facebook because it, it is a way for people to get public affirmation, and mm-hmm. it's an additional way to get us to check Facebook again and again and again and again to see if people like us. And yes. uh, Yeah, in my book, I liken it to an experience I had in middle school where my so-called two best friends decided that we should rate everyone's popularity on a scale of one to ten, oh. and they gave me a negative three. And I was like, that's not even technically possible on a scale of one to ten. So I give you on a technicality. But, you know, I remember that. That was like 25 years ago. And Crushing. that was just between the three of us. Yeah. Crushing. Crushing. And now if you did that, that would be public. And then maybe you'd have all these people hitting like next to Catherine at the negative three. You oh, know, no. that's just, I didn't need to be more insecure in middle school. I had plenty of that. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Catherine, I really loved having you on the show. Thank you so much. How to break up with your phone. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. <laughs> 